You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 380. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 380. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Ooh, had a little crack of the wrist there. Crack of the wrist as I swung it over to you. To <laughs> That's right. Give you Mr. the go-ahead. Does a little, a little... A little five-finger countdown that he does (laughs) slightly different every time. Try. And this time he cracked his wrist. So on that note, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome, welcome. To all of our pod people. We are going to be talking about how to stay positive around negative people. Now, I'm not necessarily saying... We need to be. We need to constantly be happy. I did that podcast a, a few weeks ago on toxic yeah. positivity. Yep. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where when you are around certain people, it ends up that you feel kind of down in the dumps. You feel a little bit more pessimistic. You feel more angry. You feel frustrated around them. And they could be somebody in your life that you can't necessarily escape from, like a boss or a spouse or a child or a family member or a friendship right? or a client or something like mm-hmm, that that mm-hmm. you might be contending with. So we are going to dig into how you can manage that a little bit, a little bit more powerfully. So hmm, I'm, okay. sh- I'm sure you'll have some, some thoughts. Some of, insight. I'll yeah. do my best. You're, you're really good at, staying grounded when people are flying off the, the, the hinge. It's, it's one of my superpowers. It is. You <laughs> You are the most grounded person I think I've ever known. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Like, just solid. Solid. That's right. I like that. That's a, that's a good descriptor. It I'll is. Take it. It, well, and we need it, considering I'm high, strong, and crazy, <laughs> and all of, the, all of the things. But, I'm your Bell Electricity, Graham Bell. Right? <laughs> Edison? Graham, Edison. I'm the Edison to your kite. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, you're probably the kite to my to my. I don't know where no, where yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going. Well, you're flying around in the air. Oh, I'm flying. Oh, I was holding thinking, you to the ground. Right? Oh, I see. Yeah. I was thinking like an electrical current being like, <laughs> and the, cu- the the kite just being like flowing in the wind. That's a, that's one way to look at it. That's <laughs> a completely different perspective than what I was trying to lay that, out there. That was. A horrible. That last let's just cut all that. Thirty out. seconds. We'll just cut all that out, please. <laughs> That's right. Moving on. So, on that note, yes, we definitely need to warm up the mics because clearly this that is, was chilling the mics out, right? That there. was not going. Let's warm well. them up with a little segment that we like to call. Would you rather? And today's would you rather is would you rather. Always have a piece of black spinach stuck between your teeth. Black? Black spinach, yeah. Like it's rotted out? Yeah, a little rotted. Yeah, a little gross. Okay. Yeah. It does turn black quite easily. It's yeah, not that's green right. for very long, yeah. That's right. And it's already a dark green. Right. 
Or <laughs> right. have a little booger in your nose that moves when you breathe. Little uh, little bat in the cave. A little whisper. It's like a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like a little sprite just poking his. <laughs> just a boop bop boop bop. Just a little boop boop. <laughs> just a little bop bop bop. Just kind of like flutters like little... a curtain in the breeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Or little... would you rather have shit tooth? Shit tooth. Okay, yeah. wait. No, it's just a piece of broccoli. I mean, a piece of spinach. It could be any kind of food. You name your food. It's just a black something or other. Stuff well, if I name my tutu. food and it's like jicama, it's gonna like look basically. It's gonna be black regardless. It's gonna look like just regular tooth. See, enamel. You're, you're trying to get around. You're trying to I think do a little loop de loop. You need to stick with spinach. Okay, then don't say asparagus. <laughs> I say broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So. That and it's stuck like in a front tooth, I'm assuming. Yes, in between so, your two front teeth. So it's super visible. Either that or a booger. I uh, this is this is awful, but I really think I think I would pick the spinach and I would just claim it. Yeah, and I would just be like, Yeah, I have spinach in my teeth. It's, That's my old buddy. It's it, it, That's my spinster. It's <laughs> <laughs> my old spinster. Because I can't stand that feeling of, oh, of the booger either. that's like, <laughs> me either. You know what the worst is? Is having a little hair that's grown and it like tickles. Now that we're wearing masks a lot more often, yes. Like it puts pressure down on your nose. It's not. And your good. nose hairs, even if they're not very long, they'll start tickling. And they'll start and rubbing the, older, the other side. The older you get, this yeah, is such yeah. a middle aged conversation. Yes, <laughs> like, yes, it is. Just the other day, there's Mr. people out there who know what I'm talking about. He was like, you know who you are. He was trimming up his ears, and he was like, oh, well, that's new. I said, no, that's a new low. Because there was new hair in a I different place. I was like, place. oh, hair's growing on the top of my ears now, not just on the insides. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I'm becoming an old man. But that felt very much a, a middle-aged thing for me when I had to start trimming my nose hairs. Yeah. yeah. So, for yeah, sure. I'm, I cannot stand that feeling. Why do you need that? Why do I need Why what? as a human do we need to have hair in our nose? Okay, now. Like that. Now. Like all... that. <laughs> like that. Not just hair in our nose, but like that. I feel like it could do its job of preventing us, like bacteria and all the stuff that it prevents. Like I, it totally has a scientific reason, but sure. it, it doesn't need to be like hanging do... out. But okay, why when you get older do you need more hair in your exactly. nose than when you were younger? That's right. And you don't. You don't. That's dumb. Yes. Right there is dumb. I agree. Yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> At least it's not growing out of the top of my nose, right? That's right. I, I would doink that out okay. so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> doink. Doink. <laughs> this is an ASMR episode. This this is getting a little little frantic. Do, are to... you familiar with ASMR? Uh, no, oh, it, but I'm sure you're going to fill me in. It's so irritating. It's a method. Uh, it's people doing like talking into the mic and like smack mouthing and it's all these really an uh gross sounds or like it, chewing. Yes, it's yeah. all sorts of different things like that uh, and that people really find pleasing. So why don't why don't you look up real quick ASMR? Okay. And you can read it for everybody. Let's see what it says. So it is a autonomous sensory meridian response coined in 2010. Oh, okay, so fairly recent. It says it's a relaxing often sedative sensation that begins on the scalp and moves down the body. It's like a shiver, I feel. Oh. But it says a relaxing, like shivers aren't very relaxing. Well, it's, I don't know. Also known as a brain massage. It's triggered by placid sights and sounds such as whispers, 
Plastic. Accents and crackers. <laughs> oh, I could be I, I could be into accents, but they don't give me that physical response. Anyway. Anyway. I felt like. I get like, that when I pee. Is that the same thing? Th- it like could a be. Pee shift? A little pee A pee shift. This is going downhill. <laughs> yeah, okay. Where are so, we going with this? Really quick. Would you rather? <laughs> that's where we were at. <laughs> Wait, what was it? I already forgot. It's Back something, on point. Oh, it's a, it's a booger in the nose. Yeah. Or a flighty a, little wisp of a booger that goes in and out when you breathe. Or, or a little spinny in the teeth. A, a, a spinster in the teeth. A little spinny in the teeth. Mm-hmm. So we would love to hear what you would rather. We talk about it every week over in our After Hours community. After Hours. Where we discuss the Would You Rather on Mondays, and it's so funny to hear everybody's perspective on it. So if you go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club, that will redirect you right over to our little corner of Facebook. I do bonus trainings every single month, so if there's anything that you really need some advice around, come hang out with us in After Hours submit a question to be uh, sounded off on and perhaps I will answer that for Let's you. Do we, it. we do warm fuzzy Wednesdays. It's a great it's just it's a fun a, community. It's a great group. Everyone's mm-hmm. so lovely and kind. And it's really interesting because I have a lot of colleagues who, you know, get frustrated with having to manage their group because people just go off the deep end. Mm. And I'm so grateful because this group is just incredibly supportive and lovely. That's great. Boy, the internet needs more of those. That's right. That's right. All right. So let's talk about dealing with these negative people in your life who you you kind of have to stay around. You have to be around them, whether it's a colleague or a boss or someone in your household is going through something. And in order for you to like maintain your own mental well-being, you have to create some kind of a distance or some sort of coping mechanism mm. so that you're not kind of getting dragged down into into the dirt around it. Cool. Okay, so I have seven things, seven different tactics that you can start working with to help you stay a little bit more you <laughs> around super negative people. All right, okay. so number one is limit your exposure mm. well, to said toxicity. That's... That's the obvious one. Right. So this is kind of a no-brainer. This is an eliminate or scale down. And sometimes this isn't super easy to do, but it could be as simple as, you know, if you're in a workplace, not sitting near somebody if you do have that option or sitting in a different area during a conference meeting or, you know, that might be a little bit different now with quarantine where you don't have to deal with them as acutely. Depends what country you're in. That too, yeah. You know, because some countries are have their shit together, unlike, <laughs> unlike us. So it could be, you know, a situation like that. I remember I had years ago, I had this real issue with this woman that I worked with and she got under my skin and there were so many things that I was doing that actually contributed to how frustrated I was getting with her. So my coach at the time, this was probably 11, 12 years ago now. Okay. My coach at the time was like, okay, let's look at what are some of the things you can do Hmm. around this person. And so I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm for sure not going to engage in any gossip about her. Okay. That's a good one. I'm not going to collude or anything like that. But one of the other things was I'm just going to try to avoid her as much as possible. Like if there's groupings of people talking and engaging and and shooting the shit, I'm just going to 
go over here and work on my my own business over here. You know, I'm not going to try to get entangled in things and just genuinely Homer Simpson into the bush right right just (laughs) uh, nothing to see here ease back just any way in which you can avoid or just not put yourself necessarily in a situation where you have to deal with them Mm. in a home environment that might look like being in different rooms that might be excusing yourself from an event or a dinner table or something like that and it's up to you how much how vocal you want to be about that because all of these different scenarios are going to vary dramatically depending on how close you are with that person sure so calling them out and tell you know having a big come to jesus or a tough conversation might not always be applicable I would I would guess that it would likely be more applicable if some if you're in a household with somebody, but it can be yeah, a, a little sense. bit a little bit trickier if it's a workplace or something like that. But you can also deal with this in in a very sticky situation if you are a service provider like a hairstylist or a massage therapist or you are a real estate agent and you have to deal with various contractors or something like that. So that can get really sticky. Yeah, I remember hard to avoid, right? I had this situation. You probably remember this. Before we moved into our house here, we were renting an apartment and there was a time when like three or four cars that were lined up next to each other all got keyed. Oh yeah, I do remember that. And it it wasn't like die you bitch or anything like that. It was it looked like a little kid almost got excited about right. what they could do. Like colored on the walls kind of thing, right? Exactly. There was a neighbor of ours who lived upstairs who was fully committed, committed to seeing the negative side of this. And we went back and forth. It was it was quite <laughs> humorous. I remember this We're sitting there because her car got keyed too. Mine did as well. We're waiting for the, the uh, cop to come, at, which I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many other things you could be doing right, right now, right? right which right. I told him. <laughs> I totally told him. I was like, wait, aren't you going to get like a bunch of people on this right now? And and he looked at me for a second. I'm like, I'm kidding. (laughs) Like, aren't you going to drop everything and try to find the perp? Like, there's only one of you? Where's the rest of you? Where's the squad? (laughs) Where's the SWAT team? So we're sitting there waiting for him to arrive. And she just wants to talk about how awful it is. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this happened. And I was like, well, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, but it's so inconvenient. It's so frustrating. And I was like, yeah, and, you know, we'll get through it. It's going to be all right. It's going to be inconvenient, but everyone's safe. Yeah, but, like, she was so committed. Wow. And I just kept kind of pushing back on it. And (laughs) She didn't even flinch didn't even realize she was just kept going wow. and i just was thinking wow that is so miserable but That's i thick negative skin right there i wasn't willing to collude with that yeah right and that's one of the ways that i think we get sucked in is we feel uncomfortable that we have a different perspective and so we we almost feel like we have to commiserate mm-hmm. instead of going you know what i'm actually super grateful i had a cop once hit my car. I remember that too. Came to my door and I was freaking out. I was afraid. Like, oh my God, is Mr. Smith okay? And then he's like, you know, I hit your car. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. We can work that out. And he was like, you're really chill about it. (laughs) And I was like, well, it could be so much worse, right? Right. 
All right. So we've got number one, limit your exposure, eliminate, scale down, look for opportunities to possibly not be around that person nearly as much. All right. Number two, set yourself up for success. Gear up and prepare. So for example, if you know know that you're going to be dealing with a client who every time they come in, they just bitch and moan, bitch and moan, maybe you make a little game out of it and you go, okay, every time they complain, I'm going to give myself a dollar. Or every time they say those key things that they always bring up and they always want to bitch about, I'm going – I give myself a point. And then if I get to this many points that I'm treating myself to a massage or – Better yet, they owe you a dollar. <laughs> like, tell them. Oh Yeah, you could right? do that. You could absolutely like if you do come that. in and complain again, it's going to be a dollar every time you complain. <laughs> You have to tip me a dollar. I have a new fee schedule. (laughs) Well, I used to do that when I was working in makeup artistry because so often people would sit in my chair and just nitpick the fuck out of themselves. Mm. Don't look at my brows. Oh, my God, my skin. Oh, my God, my wrinkles. And I would start telling them the next negative thing I hear you say about yourself, I'm going to demand that you say three kind things about yourself. Mm -hmm. And then without fail, I'd be like, bop, bop. Bop, bop, bop. All right, three kind things about yourself. Go. We're not I'm not doing your fucking shadow until you do it. Go. <laughs> and then if they couldn't do it, I would then I would chime in and give them Yeah, give the them things that I observed go. about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Like clearly you care about your sister because you've been sharing, you know, all of that stuff and you're so you're a compassionate, kind, loving person and you do have fierce eyebrows. So, let's not get it twisted, <laughs> yes. right? And your skin is so hydrated, girl. Right. So we would there's ways in which you can kind of joke about that. And I'm going to get get to that a little bit later as well. But number two is setting yourself up for success. So if you know if you can anticipate I'm going to be around people who are difficult or people who complain all the time or always want to talk about how shitty things are like, for instance, you walk into your workplace and you're like, hey, how are you? And they're never good. You know, they're they're. Uh, Eeyore. I guess okay. Uh, I'm in a lot of pain, or it's just like it's not. It's never awesome, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh, let me just not ask you anymore. But if you yeah. can prepare yourself, you maybe don't ask them that. You go into your environment and you say, hey, oh my gosh, I love your jacket. Or whatever. Or, oh, you look lovely today. Or thank you for all of your work that you did yesterday instead of how are you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can prepare a little bit better, get your head around it, or if you know you're going to be around a coworker who's incredibly frustrating or a client, like I mentioned, and you can set up some sort of fun game around it, like mm-hmm. every time they do that, I'm going to treat myself in some way or here's how I'm going to respond. Mm-hmm. Even okay. just anticipating, here's what I want to say in response, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can be hugely helpful. In fact, that is one of the pieces that I constantly do with my students and clients where they don't know how to deal with their their spouse. They don't know how to deal with a frustrating coworker. Oh, my God, my mom is driving me batshit crazy. And so we look at, okay, what are the things you anticipate they are going to say? And then what do you want to say in response? Mm-hmm. And I help them formulate, here's a great way to say this. Here's a great way to combat that. Nice. And so we work out all of the semantics around it. Because so often, 
especially if you are a recovering people pleaser, you get kind of deer in the headlights. Like you don't, you kind of don't know what to say. A lot of that is about crafting articulate responses and then rehearsing them, quite literally rehearsing them like you were in a play Mm -hmm, where you mm -hmm. need to deliver new lines. So start thinking preemptively, okay, when my mom starts bitching about this or if somebody in my family starts bringing up politics in a really vitriolic, volatile manner, how do I want to converse about that? What are the things I want to say? Mm. Exit stage left even. Oh, I hate that. That's where I'm going. I I don't know why. I always hated that voice. You hate that voice? (laughs) Yes. What? Have I never told you that? No. I feel like I have. I love him. Do you? Mm -hmm. He was was like a little... It's very sly. A little snotty. All right. So you're going to gear up. You're going to prepare. Also, you can set up some kind of aftercare. So let's say you know that you're going to have to be around family and it just drains you because perhaps the family mindset is one of lack or scarcity or we can't afford that or, you know, something maybe you're trying to work on, like having an abundance mindset or being grateful for the things that you have. And your family of origin is always about scarcity. Mm. And that feels incredibly draining and negative for you. So it could be that you set up how you're going to engage. Maybe you set up an incentive program for yourself Mm -hmm. around the insidious things they say. And then you set up some aftercare. So what that might look like is having a friend to debrief with or setting up a therapy or coaching session right after you know you're going to have to deal with them. It could be scheduling a run, getting it out of your body physically, being sure to journal, uh, doing a nice primal scream, you know, or a silent scream even can be really, really cathartic in expelling what you may have had to tolerate. Mm, Yeah. All great. Yeah, those are great. Which then brings me to number three, create a system to process emotions in a healthy way. So this can be tricky depending on where you're at. So if you're at work or if you're at a family function, you can almost always escape to process some emotion in the bathroom. Almost almost all situations, you can escape to the bathroom. So just go into the bathroom, do a nice uh, silent scream, like, <sighs> you know, just uh, clenching up your entire body. Yeah. And then relaxing, clenching up and relaxing, expel it out of yourself a little bit. If you have those larger bathroom stalls in an office, do some quick jumping jacks, get it out of the system. If you can excuse yourself to disappear for a little bit and say, you know, I'm just going to go into my head for a little bit or I'm going to go take a nap for a little bit, something you can do to get you out of the immediacy of the frustrating situation. for sure. If you can't do that, then it is imperative that you have some sort of aftercare set up. So, for example, if you have a consistently difficult workplace environment, you might need a a debrief period every single day. A lot of times what we turn to is things like food or alcohol, but that doesn't ever help us process the emotion. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you could, as soon as you park in your garage, if you are actually driving to work or at a facility, that's your time to just say out loud all the things that you're pissed at, all the things you're frustrated with to get it out of your system. Not to 
be negative yourself, but because if we don't process it, it festers. And then you go in the house and you snap at your loved ones. Preach. So decide on what is a method of of aftercare if you do have a really stressful work environment like that where it's negative people all the time. Or it just it'd be great to hit the gym right away, go for a run, go for a walk during your lunch break or right after work. Schedule your workouts in that way it can be really helpful. Or you can just, you know, kind of imagine that you're punching that person in the face. No, I'm kidding. You know what? I'll tell you, that's how I got through the last four years of this the administration. I bought I bought a punching bag and I took out a lot of my frustrations with some key visualization yes. on, that, on that punching bag. So I want details later. <laughs> you already know. No, I want details. I have heard details. I knew that you did that. Did you I just say later. I earned details? No, I I want. Oh, I thought you said I earned details. Oh, no. Well, I may have earned them. But I do want to hear them. All right. I'll tell you. Okay. Number four is ask positive questions. So back in that work environment that I was talking about ages ago when I was working in makeup artistry, I would make it a routine thing every time I would walk into the workplace is to ask everybody, what are you grateful for today? What are you thankful for today? And it was a great way to create this positive environment and every once in a while there'd be somebody with a stick up their ass that'd be like nothing and I was like wow (laughs) I can't imagine what that's like to be so well off and to have everything you possibly need and to have nothing to be thankful for wow you know like it just blew my mind but it says so much about who they are not necessarily about who you are well exactly but if you can if you can ask, you know, fun, it, kind, positive things to people, it's more likely that you'll elicit a positive response. Mm. Or as long as it's open-ended, if it's just how are you, it's like I'm either good or bad for the most part. Yeah. Right? And people usually are like, oh, I'm good. Or they <sighs> list all the things that they're upset about. Which is funny that you were talking earlier about people being – you know, telling you about all their pains and troubles. Mm-hmm. I get the other way around when I'm at work. Oh, yeah. People come in there like, hey, how you doing? I'm great. How you doing? Oh, good. And I say, okay, now that we got the pleasantries out of the way, how are you really doing? Right. You know, because they're there for a reason. Right. They're there to get healed in some way. That's right. So uh, I always have to kind of dig through that. Uh, th- dig through that the niceties. facade. Yeah. Right. And and get to the real meat of the situation. But that's my job, not, you know, it's, right. it's a little bit different setting. That's more like cultivating vulnerability yeah. from over overly positive people. <laughs> right, right. Right? Like how – and not necessarily how do right. I Can you use that backwards? How's, is that what you're saying here is to use that backwards? What do you mean? To go backwards. If, if the person comes in with a negative – experience you say yeah well what's the positive thing of that or well that's definitely that's an nlp tactic uh, yeah. if you're if anybody out there is familiar with neurolinguistic programming there's definitely a way that you can use also absolutes when people say everything is so shitty really everything oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. i oh, my husband always does this really always always i find that a little bit infuriating right because it doesn't acknowledge where somebody's at at the moment so it can be frustrating for I sure. think there's a way to say 
oh, wow, that sounds like it's really frustrating. But you know what? I think you're a phenomenal person. Like there's a way to acknowledge what what they're going through and then still be the positive. Yes and. But yeah. it really depends because really what I'm talking about here is when you kind of have to tolerate people. Right. When it's not necessarily about I'm creating this massive impact or – it's a really close relationship that I want to alter or change mm. or whatever. But I have seen this a lot with with students in Deep Down and Dirty. The more they start learning about this stuff, about being positive and about loving who they are and every everybody isn't necessarily out to get you and everything doesn't have to be a scam and negative <laughs> and all right. of that. And their relationships shift a lot where mm. – and I tell them all the time, your bullshit tolerance is going to shrink. Yeah. So your tolerance for people guilt tripping you or for always having a scarcity mindset or always seeing the dark side of things is going to get very, very short. And you're just not going to tolerate it very much. That's anymore. a good thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. It's a great thing. I've seen so many people move on from really awful relationships. Yeah. Intimate partnerships that have been you know, abusive or toxic, uh, and they find their voice, they find their happiness, and it's incredible to watch them come out of that. And that's all rooted in how you feel about yourself. So if you, I'm sure if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about Deep Down and Dirty. It's my main program that I use to help people let go of people-pleasing and perfectionism and constant self-doubt and and really find their voice and actually use it like i was saying earlier how what does that sound like to tell your mom hey i find that really offensive when you do x y or z like what are the actual mm-hmm. semantics so but the the beginning piece of that is you actually have to believe that you matter to begin with you have to believe that you are enough that you are valuable so we shift a lot of the belief structure first and then mm. we move into how do we now communicate this with the outside world that sounds like a key point. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Well, it's also why these women then go on to ending relationships or manifesting their soulmate. I've seen that happen a shit time, shit yeah. time of times. Or creating new jobs, building their own businesses, going back to school. Because at their core, they finally believe that they're worthy of happiness. Right? They're like, I'm deserving of the life that I want. I don't have to settle for all this bullshit anymore. I don't have to tolerate being treated like shit by my family. So yeah. anyway, if you are in any of those situations where you're like, oh, my gosh, I really want the confidence to be able to have boundaries or let people know how I feel and not get walked on all the time, your first place to start if you're interested in Deep Down and Dirty is go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, workshop and you will see an opportunity to register for a completely free masterclass that I have that talks about deep down and dirty and, and the work that I do and you see case studies and I, I just had somebody tell me the other day I was listening to the pod and reflecting about who I was when I signed up oh nice and and I am in a completely different empowered cool place. Like my ability to implement what you are saying is like night and day. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. That makes me so happy. I get really <laughs> giddy. So anyway, if you're interested, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Watch that masterclass. At the very end, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly me. These are the things I need to shift. I can't keep going on like this in 2021. 
book a call and you'll see an opportunity to do that with a member of one of my team, cool. uh, somebody on my team. And then you can discuss your specific issues and if deep down and dirty is right for you. But your first place to start is that workshop. All right. So we've got ask positive questions. Another thing that you can do there is say, just say something like ab- about their life that's positive. Like, how is your sweet nephew? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that I they, do that sometimes too. They can't talk shit on their nephew, mm-hmm. or it's the one thing that they're super positive Animals about. Animals are a great go to. Animals, crafts, hobbies, whatever, you know, sports, anything mm-hmm. that they're into that's really positive. Ask about that and avoid topics that are that they get going on, you know, right, and right. they kind of diatribe out on. All right. Number five. This is what we were talking about a little bit earlier. If you have a relationship where you can call this person out, call them out. All right. This, these are your close friends. These are people that are in your work environment that maybe you work really close with or you have a little bit more of an intimate connection with. This might be family members. It might even be a spouse or a partner. So what I really love to do, and you and I kind of were joking about this earlier about, okay, if you complain one more time, you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is to use something that's a joke, right? So you start uh, start off with a joke like, well, tell me, else, tell me what else is really shitty in your life. Or, okay. or why don't you keep, you know, oh, so it sounds like things are going really well for you, all sarcastic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's sarcasm for sure. But if you start with that, you cannot stop there, okay? <laughs> I forbade you. you ha- the, the key here is you have to then follow it up with something like, in all seriousness, though, it seems like you're constantly frustrated with your landlord your spouse, your mom, whoever they're complaining about. And, you know, I just see you as such a resourceful person. What are you doing to move the needle on that? Mm-hmm. You know, or is there a way that I can help you start changing this? Because it seems like just venting about it isn't doing a damn thing. Right. Right. So it depends on the nature of the relationship. If it's a work relationship, you might you might be like, yeah, tell me. Tell me how difficult that is again. I, I don't remember you telling me that. And then, you know, I'm, I'm playing. But in all seriousness, though, it seems like this is causing you a significant amount of stress. Is there something we can do to to alter this? Is there a way I can communicate better with you? Is, can we troubleshoot a solution, right, if it's mm-hmm. more, of a, more of a professional workplace environment? Yeah. So uh, you can also share from your own experience. I've talked about this before, where you empathize with whatever they're going through or whatever they're frustrated with. And you say, oh, man, I have so been there. Or I remember I had a, a situation that was so similar to that. And there was something that I did that was really helpful for me. Are you interested in hearing it? Don't just prescribe yeah. and like, here's what you should do. Boss people around. <laughs> Say like I'm super open to sharing if you're if you're wanting any sort of ideas that might help remedy this. So offering and inviting, but not prescribing. Okay. And uh, another thing that you can do is kind of what we talked about earlier. Of all right, how about for the next thirty minutes, no complaining. We take a no complaint challenge, and we just focus on the things that we're grateful for. And the the things that we want to continue to move the mark on, our ambitions, our goals, whatever, right? Okay. Because here's the thing. If somebody is in the middle of being super negative and complaining and you call them out on it, they will usually double down. Yeah. 
they will usually get extra frustrated. So you're not meeting you're not meeting them where they are. They don't feel heard. Yeah. Right. The pro and that's usually what perpetuates the problem. We're so irritated with them that we then leave. We do everything except empathize. But if you can just give a little bit of empathy of like, wow, that sounds really, really difficult. Is there anything that I can do to help? Something like that. And then saying, because if you meet them with that that intimacy, that vulnerability, they yeah. are far more likely to let you in. Not always. I mean, sure. Not always. Sure, sure. But if you, you have a better chance. And then you can say, you know, I've, it seems like this thing has been plaguing you for a while. I have some ideas that might be helpful. Let me know if you're interested. You know what I mean? Something like that. Mm, mm, All right. Mm. Number six. Establish boundaries. Now, this is going to be a whole episode all on its own. I'm definitely sure. going to link to to episodes that I've done specifically on boundaries. Also on when somebody you love is always a victim. That was a great podcast we did with some tactics that you can start working with. But boundaries then become if that person is not willing to shift or grow or <laughs> at least try then it might become imperative that you define a boundary. Like I had this happen with a coworker, that same workplace, who every time people would walk by the store, he would talk shit about them. Always about what they looked like, what they were wearing, what they were, you know, their handbags or whatever. And I just straight up told him, I'm not going to stand here with you and talk shit about people walking by. <laughs> and I walked away and then I just walked away. Nice. So that was a very clear delineated boundary. So there might be something like that where somebody is overtly negative over and over again and you have to say, you know what, if you continue to speak like that, I just need to excuse myself. That, or yeah. I recognize that this is really challenging for you. I can't reside in this place continually. That's with, great. Without focusing on some solution, I'm going to politely excuse myself. I'm going to hang up. I'm going to leave. I'm going to whatever. Mm -hmm. Take care of mm -hmm. yourself. You don't need to be a martyr. You don't need to be laying in people's sadness and <laughs> negativity. Now, I will say one caveat here is I am not talking about somebody in your life who's going through an isolated tough time. Sure. So sure. if you have somebody in your life who's who's an amazing human – but they're going through a divorce or they just got laid off or there was recently a medical diagnosis or something really grief ridden. I'm not talking about those sorts of situations. I'm talking about the people who have no interest in being better yeah. <laughs> consistently and continually, whether they're in your family or wherever. Just and want to do the verbal vomit. And right. that you recognize it has a very real effect on you. Yeah. So please do not ascribe any of this advice to your friend who is is just grieving their their eyes out over a loss of a job, okay, right? Sure. And that you know, we've talked a lot about that about feeling your feelings and allowing yourself the expanse to to process and things like that. So be be mindful of that. Okay. I probably should have said that at the beginning, but. There you have it. All right. And then finally, number seven is more of a come from or a perspective, and that is to have compassion, to have genuine compassion about where they are. Perhaps you were there at one point. Yeah. I definitely remember 
a time when I was always focused on the glasses half empty, you know, and I was always negative about worst case scenario. A lot of that was fueled by a massive anxiety <laughs> disorder, hmm. but I was always nitpicking my body. I remember you saying, I was like, ah, do you like me like this? Do you like me like that? I mean, this is, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And you were like, I like you when you like you. <laughs> like, it's True not statement. fun to be around you when you don't like you. Right. <laughs> so having compassion that maybe, maybe you can relate to when that was your only defense mechanism. That was your only way of trying to get attention or support or sympathy was to talk about how shitty things were for you. Or that you can't catch a break, or of course that would happen to me. So look at look at that through the lens of I remember what that was like, or I wasn't so far away from that. Maybe I wasn't as intense, but <laughs> yeah, I've had my shit too. It can be it can be one of the places where self help goes wrong when we yeah. feel elitist because we have overcome something. And then we kind of talk down to anyone who hasn't gone through that type of a growth <laughs> spurt. And the other piece of having compassion, too, is understanding that it's really not about you. If they're snapping at you, if they're frustrated with you, if they're mean or curt or any of those things, it's about them. Yeah. It's the things that are happening within them. It's not about you. And you've struggled, too. You've had hard times. You've had frustration, I'm sure. Have compassion, but having compassion does not exempt boundaries. It does not mean you don't boundary up. You can stay compassionate from afar. In fact, I had a therapist who would always say, release with love. Yeah. Release with love. I'm going to love you from afar mm, because being too close is is not healthy for me. Right. But it's not going to stop my compassion. Right. All right. So quick, quick little recap, seven ways to stay positive around consistently negative people. Number one, limit your exposure. Number two, set yourself up for success. Gear up, prepare, set up some aftercare if needed, forecast what you might be dealing with. Number three, create a system to process your emotions. If you're constantly frustrated, overwhelmed, stressed, make sure you are processing that in a healthy way. Number four, ask positive questions around those negative people. Use topics that they can't be negative about. <laughs> yeah. Pets, children, nieces, nephews, hobbies, things that their eyes light up about. Try to focus on those things. Number five, call them out. Depending on how close you are, what the relationship is like, say, hey, I'm really hearing this specific pattern. And, you know, figure out a system that or a delivery that works well for you. Number six, establish boundaries if you need to. And number seven, have compassion. Compassion. So I think that's about it. Anything else you wanted to throw into the mix? Hmm. No, I don't think so. All right. Well, again, if you are in a place where you're like, holy shit, I, I need to not just consume this. And listen to this in my earbuds and go, oh, that was a really nice idea. And then mm -hmm. go right back into my workplace and do jack shit. There may be a very real reason for that. And I talk about it in that workshop that I was sharing with you earlier. So please go, if you have not done so already, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Have that pen and paper handy. You are going to learn a lot of things. 
And and then, you know, if deep down and dirty is something you want to learn more about and you think you really need to start creating a change this year, mm. then then look to the, for that option to book a call. So I think that's it. Thank you so much for hanging out. I appreciate y'all so very much. And we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Ms. and Mr. Smith, out. 